My name is Daniel Galarza and I'm a licensed clinician. Today I want to talk about parenting. How do we know as parents that we're not affecting our kids in a negative way? I know we're doing our best, but how do we really know? One of the things that gets me thinking about this is the fact that when I'm in therapy with my clients, most of the time they're going to end up talking about their upbringing or their parents. And in many of those cases, it becomes clear that the parents were loving parents who were doing their best. They just didn't know that they were affecting their kids in a negative way. So in this podcast, I'm going to go over a few things that we can keep into consideration as parents. I'd like to start off with this. Let's keep in mind that the relationship that our children have with us is the first relationship that they're ever going to have. This is where they learn how to have a relationship. This is where they get to understand their identity or what the rules are about having a relationship. What's okay to do, what's not okay to do, what's normal or not normal in a family. So I do think it's important that we keep in mind that whatever experience we offer our kids will be the starting point for the rest of their lives. Consider how often it is that we think about our upbringing when we think about how we're going to raise our kids. It's not unusual at all for me to hear parents say things like, I'm going to do this for my child because my parents never did it to me. Or I want to make sure that my child gets this experience because I didn't get that experience. We tend to parent based on our personal experience, which kind of makes sense. It's our reference point as to what it is to be a child. However, it might not match the needs of our kids. And we really have to be careful with that. If we're going to raise our kids through the lens of our personal experience, it doesn't necessarily keep into consideration our children's unique experience. So if you happen to grow up financially unstable and looking back in your life, you thought to yourself, it would have been nice to have more things or to have gotten the opportunity to experience more things, but we couldn't because we just didn't have enough money. That alone shouldn't be the basis as to how you parent your kids. In turn, it wouldn't be okay for you to turn around and say, because of that, I'm going to make sure that my kids have everything they want or everything they need. Going about it that way would mean that I'm using my personal experience from my childhood and determining how I'm going to parent my kids, despite the fact that they're not going to live the same reality. In essence, the formula to what I think might have worked for me as a child might not be the same formula for your child. So I would really encourage parents to be careful when you find yourself saying things like, that's just how I was raised, or that's what I saw growing up, or my experience was this. This is why I'm doing it this way. I think we can use our experiences as a way to understand parenting or to understand the parent-child relationship. I'm just saying that it shouldn't be the basis of why we do what we do. I imagine the role of parenting to fall into three primary functions. The first one is to love our kids. The second one is to guide. And the third one is to protect. It goes without question that most parents love their kids and that most parents do a great job of protecting their kids. But it's the guidance that gets a little tricky. How we guide can be different from child to child. The values and the lessons that we're trying to teach our kids will be the same and should always stay the same. We need to teach lessons like respect, accountability, honesty, and so forth. But we should consider that it's going to look a little different with each child. You might be able to ask one kid to pick up his shoes, and that child will do it in the moment. And you'll ask the next one to do it. They might forget. They might not even notice you. They might look at you and say yes and not do it. So in a situation like that, if we're trying to teach responsibility or accountability, it will be different between those two kids. And you have to know how to navigate each one of them. The concept of parenting that I would hear a lot was that the parents knew best. Whatever the parents said or whatever direction they gave, that's what you were supposed to do as a child. And if you couldn't figure it out, it wasn't on the parents. It was on you as a kid. It just left a lot of kids feeling uncertain about themselves or insecure about themselves because they couldn't always fulfill things the way other kids would. And that wasn't fair to some kids. We don't all function the same. 
And as parents, if we could figure out what would be the most effective way for your child, then you can help that child flourish and feel good about themselves. So get to know your kid. Get to know their personality. Get to know their interests. Get to know what energizes them. What works for them and what doesn't work for them. If you could ask one kid to sit down and do their homework, and they simply sit down and do their homework, that's great. That works for them. But if you ask another kid to sit down and do their homework, and five minutes in they're getting distracted, or they want to get up, or they're doing something else, or they just can't seem to hang in there and do their homework, it's not necessarily that that kid is a bad kid, or that they have attention problems. It's that they don't learn that way. It's a huge possibility that that structure is not effective for that kid. And it's on us as parents to figure out what do we have to do for that child so they can learn more effectively or so they can learn the lessons that we want to teach them more effectively. To me, this concept of tailoring our parenting to our child does not have anything to do with indulging our kids. And I want to be clear on that, that some parents might hear this and say we have to cater to our kids. Far from it. I believe in setting high standards for our kids. I just believe that every kid can reach that standard in a different way. That there's no cookie cutter way of parenting our kids. In this, if we fail to understand our child's specific needs, there's a big possibility that we're going to misunderstand them. And when we misunderstand our child, the next thing we end up doing is we label them. So if you grew up in a household where there was a favorite and there was the bad one, or the one that quote-unquote gave the family problems, then you get to understand a little taste of what happens in a family where children are not understood, where all kids are expected to function the same way. And if they don't function that same way, they're going to get labeled. And truth be told, in my case, This is why I stopped seeing kids in my practice to begin with. Parents who bring their kids, and they'll literally tell me that there's something wrong with their kid. They can't listen. They're not respectful. They're difficult. They're naughty. They're very emotional. And in the process of doing a full assessment that sometimes would take me two to three sessions, almost every single time I was able to see things that the parents could have done differently to better understand that child. I would do good work with the kids, but it would disappoint me to have them go home and have the parents do the very same thing that got them in that position to begin with. The parents had already labeled them. They had already deemed that child as difficult or complicated. Maybe it was because the kid was more energetic or didn't learn by sitting down hours at a time doing one task at a time. I just never thought it was fair for the kids. And what broke my heart even more is that a lot of these kids already came in with a diagnosis of ADHD or ADD or had already come in taking medication for ADHD. If I'm having a hard time with my kid because I don't understand the full needs of my kid, or because they might require a little more attention or energy. I might see them as a problem. And if I take them to a doctor and have a 10 to 15 minute conversation about the things that my child is doing, what the doctor is going to do is they're going to take a list of the symptoms and they're going to fit it into a category that says this sounds like ADD or ADHD. And they might recommend medication. But what that doctor is not going to do is spend hours and hours understanding the dynamics of the family or the dynamics that are affecting that child. And that would be fair to the child. And this is really where I get to understand the concept of goodness of fit. My wife Ruby talks a lot about this concept of goodness of fit because it's such an important concept. The concept of goodness of fit means that you might have found a more natural connection with one child than another. Just simply because of our personalities or because of our style. We might find ourselves in a relationship with one child that feels easier. It might be a smoother relationship. Or you can find yourself saying, I really understand this child. But this one I don't. I don't get it. Or they remind you of someone that you're not too fond of. They might remind you of their father and you're not with the father. Or they might remind you of their mother and you're not with the mother. If you look at your personal upbringing and can honestly say the kids were treated differently, it illustrates the point that I'm making. But you can't say that to your parents. You can't say to your parents, you treated this person better than the other one. 
or you were unfair to this person because they would tell you the same thing every single time. We love our kids the same. I don't love one child more than another. And I believe they're telling the truth in most cases. So if you as a parent want to make sure that you're not doing this to your kid, take a second look. Get to know your child a little better. Understand what they get into, how they express their emotions, how they show love and affection, what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And be very careful not to compare. And I think a lot of us know what it feels like to be compared. So be very careful that you don't compare one child to the next. Even in your frustration with your child. Careful not to say things like, I don't have to remind your other sibling a hundred times. Or why do they seem to figure it out and you don't? It wasn't fair to you. And it's not fair to them. And also remember that all relationships require effort to understand each other. It's always going to be the concept of a better relationship. To understand the person who's in your life. And that includes your own kid. The reason this is such an important relationship is because it will shape their outlook for a very long time. Some of the things that impacted you as a child are likely still alive today. If you have doubt in your head, it is probably related with a lot of the doubt that you had growing up. There may have been someone in your life questioning you, doubting everything you did. Or if you feel that you have to be a caretaker, you always have to be there for people. Take a look back. Chances are that was always your role. Or for those of you that are having a difficult time valuing yourself, it wouldn't be unusual to go back and realize that that feeling of not being valued started at a very young age. So if it could be true for us, it could be true for our kids. So be patient when you teach your kids. When teaching our kids, it's never reasonable to suggest that they should have known already because we already told them. Think about you or your partner. How many times have you asked your partner of something and they're still doing it? Or how often can you look at yourself and say, I know better but it's hard. It's difficult to make this change. If it's difficult for us to make changes, then it's also going to be difficult for our kids. So be patient with them. If it means you have to say it a million times, well, then you're going to have to say it a million times because that's what it means to be a parent. Also keep in mind the 80-20 rule. To me, the 80-20 rule means this. 80% of the time that I'm engaging with my child should either be pleasant, comfortable, calm, or good. It should be a good 80%. Then we can reserve 20% for addressing something, something negative or something that needs to get done, whether it means reminding them about their homework or asking them to get ready or holding them accountable for something that they should be held accountable for. At most, we're talking about 20%. That way, the relationship feels generally good. 80% of the time, we're fine. 20% of the time, we have to address some sort of conflict or issue. So take inventory and assess your relationship with your kids. Can you genuinely say that 80% of the time we're good and 20% of the time we're addressing some sort of conflict? Or is it more 50-50? Or is it 80-20 the other way? And finally, I'd like to wrap it up with a little bit of the male perspective, my perspective as a therapist and as a man. For a long time, my observation has been that as men, we kind of pigeonhole ourselves in very limited roles with our kids. For the most part, I think dads see themselves as providers or as people who are there to teach their kids lessons in life. For me, I think it's true for too many people that either their dad was never there, their dad was kind of there, or that they were there present in their lives, but with a very limited role. Traditionally, it's been moms that take the bulk of the parenting responsibility. As a man, I see myself as an equal parent. I see that my responsibility and accountability for my kids are no different than my wife's. So I don't necessarily believe that there's such a thing as this is what dads do and this is what moms do. As far as I'm concerned, we're both parents. And a parent has to do what a parent has to do. There should be no limit to what we do as parents. So as a man and a father myself, it is encouraging to me to see more dads not only present, but involved in their kids' lives, in all aspects. And in that, we can pull away from the times in which dads really weren't there as much as we would have liked for them to be there.
My hope is that you found this episode useful in your efforts to be the kind of parent you would like to be. So thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or comments, find me on Instagram at The Male Therapist Perspective. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.